What is up, ladies and gentlemen? It is episode four of the Why Adapt podcast. We've got your boy A.A. Ron here with your other boy, Chad Smith. Welcome, Chad. Welcome back. What's going on? Thanks for having me back, man. Thanks for joining me. We we love this stuff, man. We've been having a great time. We uh we recorded one. Uh, we recorded episode three last night. Got all fired up and um you know, still got more to talk about, and we just keep on, keep on learning, keep on adapting, right? <laughs> That's the name of the game, huh? <laughs> It is. You know what? I just changed the motto on on the web page. It's that the world is changing every day, so why aren't we? I dig I like it. it. I like it. I dig it. So, um, well, I I feel like we got to do a little bit of a backstory here on your boy Ty. Um, so. <laughs> Our boy, son. Our boy Ty, he's my boy too. I, I, I will, I will, I will own that. Um, so, um, what we are jabbering about is Chad and I, um, like we spoke about before, have been friends for quite a bit, quite a long time, and more recently we've been um, going through a phase of just. Uh, learning everything <laughs> and talking about everything and, uh, you know, kind of just having active discussions about life more often, I guess. And, uh, I don't know about you, but a lot of that, a lot of my learning was done through YouTube. And I remember, I don't know the timeline, but probably about eight months ago when, uh, Ty Lopez first started his, uh, YouTube campaign, if you will, where he was just nonstop blowing up the ads. Props to being able to do that. Um, dude, he just, <laughs> I gotta give him mad props for that because you could not watch YouTube without seeing a Ty Lopez ad. No, you could. <laughs> Have you seen his Lambo? Have you seen his library? They're both, they're both nice, even though I don't think he has a Lambo anymore. But that's neither here nor there. The key here is, uh, the books. So, um, what Chad and I chose to do, um, actually Chad kind of, uh, took the initiative and, and we did go through, um, some of his 67 step course, which I would, um, I would suggest actually that's, we found a lot of value in that. Wouldn't you say Chad? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think, uh, I think you actually mentioned that you talked to some people that got some value out of it and that kind of sparked my interest a little bit and read some reviews online and I was like it sounded pretty decent and after watching a few episodes I think I just I got hooked and I've just been like you know, all in since I'm pretty excited to watch like another episode every morning when I wake up yeah it was kind of comical because I know that uh I know I was kind of giving you a hard time about it at first <laughs> because uh uh, all I could think about is that damn Lambo and those those books, um, um, <laughs> because I just saw it so many times. I mean, every day, and I inevitably clicked the link. Um, but yeah, I, I don't remember what it was, but I had um, I I am just a podcast junkie. Um, hi, my name is Aaron, <laughs> and uh, I remember it was just one of the many podcasts that I was listening to, and. It, somebody had talked about it and said, hey, you know, I I thought that was pretty legit, and uh, I guess that's all it took. <laughs> yeah, for sure, 
but I mean, as far as uh, as far as value bombs, it's just chock full of them. It was uh, pretty enjoyable. I'm, does he have a podcast? I would think he would have a podcast, to be honest, but uh, it well, doesn't matter. I, we, I don't know. You would you, you would think we would have looked into that by now. Whoops! Dropping stuff over here. Dropping the mic. Ty Lambo Lopez. Ty. Ty Lopez show. He does. He does. Yeah. Ty, where you been, man? <laughs> Gotta subscribe. They also they're pretty quick episodes, but he has quite a few. Well, that's good. Yeah. So, sorry, I'm just making some adjustments here on the fly. Don't like to do that. That's how things get wrecked. Um. So anyway, got started on the sixty-seven steps. Um, got back on the book bandwagon. I know we had been reading a little bit of, a little bit of books here and there. Um, I guess that kind of leads us to what we were talking about yesterday, which is just, ooh, excuse me, the deadlines, man. We, we were pretty being pretty lackadaisical about it. Um. You know, we'd talk about books openly, and we were definitely reading our our fair share of books. I think we both hold ourselves to a pretty high standard compared to compared to most. But uh, yesterday, we decided to go ahead and both read um, one of Ty's top ten, which is "Managing Oneself" by the one and only Peter Drucker, which. I didn't uh, read much about him before this. I, I know I had heard Ty talk about him. Um, but he seems like he's the man, or one of the men, I'd like to have in my life, as far as books go. No homo. Um, <laughs> not to take it there. But, um, so so we, we had talked yesterday about this. Okay, we're going to read a book. We're both going to read it. We're going to do a review on it. And uh, you got to tell me what happened after that, man, because something, something happened. I know sometimes I'm lighting a fire under your ass, and, and <laughs> you decided to light right back. So why don't you tell me about that? Oh, for sure. I mean, well, I think it was just so cool. I mean, we were just talking about it, and then we are just like, why are we even talking about it? Let's just do it. Like, tonight, you know, we're going to rip through this book, and then the very next day... AKA today, we'll, you know, do a review and kind of share thoughts about it. So I think, uh, you know, kind of tying in with the whole deadlines thing, it, you know, maybe want to read it even more, kind of absorb as much information as I could, kind of share my thoughts. Yeah. What, uh, what was that conversation we were having the night before you were telling me about, um, uh, just a little backstory. Chad's gone through gone through a lot of schooling, <laughs> and uh, you were saying you had an essay to write. Um, and you know you basically had an extended amount of time to write a fairly long essay, and you more or less waited to the last moment and just crushed it in the last what twenty four hours, basically to throw it together. Yeah. <laughs> That's my hardest part about school. Um, it was definitely, it was, I mean, I could do like the studying, taking tests, all the stuff, standardized tests, too much of a problem. 
But man, oh my gosh, like it's that whole like eighty twenty percent rule, man. Or you know, I'm spending eighty percent of my time writing a paper um, when such a small amount of my grade for that class. But anyways, yeah, it was just I would always I would always find something else to be more important than you know writing that paper. I mean, I'd find anything I could do, even cleaning the house, which I hate cleaning the house. And then I want to be told about basically the night before where I would start freaking out and then I just push as hard as I could and I'd probably submit the paper within like the last half hour. And I don't know why I'd always do that too. And then I'd always tell myself like, oh, you know, next time it's going to be different. I'm going to get started earlier. And sure enough, I just, it kept repeating itself over and over again. So I mean, luckily I don't have to write any more papers, mm-hmm. but... Um, not that you're getting graded on at least (laughs) (laughs) right Uh, so I don't know I think like having deadlines you know they can be stressful I mean at the same time I mean if you were to be self-motivated like I would work for this book I know it's something small Mm -hmm. but putting deadlines on things I mean it'll give you that little amount of like stress little extra push to get things done yeah, it's it's weird, man. I don't uh I don't really understand a whole lot about how I operate. Um this this book definitely had me thinking about it more. Um but the one thing I have kind of realized with doing uh doing the YouTube videos um and just doing uh uh public speaking here and there is that I just I don't it just seems it seems so strange but I almost enjoy like winging it like I I have an idea of what I'm going to say and do but um well you, you know what it actually goes back to um man I can talk sometimes and I'm going to try to keep it halfway short so we can get into the beef of this thing but uh I remember the first the first public speech I did um I basically somebody had dropped the ball within my organization and I would had to do a speech the next day uh like a 10 to 15 minute speech about my organization uh at the local chamber of commerce and it was a terrible speech <laughs> in in my eyes looking back at it now um, but just the fact that I was able to do it was right. That's huge, man. I told us like you know some of people's like biggest fear. Oh yeah, I mean if you if I told you know nine, I feel like like ninety percent of people out there if I was like, hey, you got to do a ten minute speech on this tomorrow, they would just freak out. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that they wouldn't get it done. Uh, you know, deadlines spur action. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know. It just I realized that I that I there's something about that that I enjoy. <clears throat> but anyway, um point being action is important. Uh <laughs> deadlines are important and we can do amazing things with deadlines sometimes. So I think uh I think it's something that we should uh continue to focus on. It really it makes it's it's really tough. You know, even when you said last night, like, hey, let's do this by tomorrow. 
I'm like, shit. Okay, <laughs> I'll do it. It's my life, bro. Yeah, like you're really, you're really putting the grills to me, man. <laughs> but uh, it worked just fine. I mean, again, that book, um, it was pretty light. It was more an extended essay, I would say. I had a couple extended yeah, essays. It was, it was pretty, pretty short book. I see as you read. But just in our heads, man, like, I, I mean, when you first said it, it was like, it would not have been something I would have done. You know, I would not have given myself that deadline. I would not say, okay, I'm going to read this by tomorrow. And right. just the fact that I knew you were doing it, by, well, then you did it. Um, you finished it before I did, after I had started before you did. And then I was just like, oh, now I really got to do it tonight. But it also, it also showed me, um, that it was possible to do it in a, in a short period of time too. So it was, it was like, uh, it drove me to finish it faster or just, you know, in a, I don't know, I don't know what faster, but it drove me to continue to finish it last night because I could have easily, uh, read it this morning or whatever, you know, yeah. but I just pushed through it last night. And honestly, when I was done with it, I was like, Oh, that was it. Like yeah. it was so easy. And I don't know. It was, the whole thing was kind of wild. Um, kind of funny you mention that because I was kind of thinking, Oh man, whatever. I'll keep this, you know, I'll have a little bit of time at work. I'll just finish it up. But then I was thinking, like, oh, you know, I, I told Aaron I'll finish it tonight, and it kind of held me accountable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, it's like a dead Well, it's like natural to give ourselves outs, man. It's like, I mean, it's oh, whether gosh. it's whether it's the right thing to do or not, it's like what's been beaten into our brains that it's like, you know, oh, I can, if I make an excuse for myself, then it's okay. And... Uh, I don't know that. that is too. I mean, every time you you push yourself that little extra, you're building muscle mm-hmm. to not give up. And I mean, yeah, it's a tiny little victory. We we're talking, you know, a fifty-page book, but still, I mean, you know, over time, you keep doing those things to push yourself. It's going to add up, and and every challenge will just seem that much smaller. Yeah, it definitely builds the confidence too. You know, you remember those things. It was, uh, yeah, it's just wild. I mean, I know that, uh, it, it never seems to go over well with, uh, at least my significant other. Um, when I tell her like, uh, okay, you know, whatever you got to tell yourself, but that's an excuse, (laughs) you know, like it's, it, it can be tough love sometimes. Um, and I don't, I think the worst part of it is that we don't always use that tough love on ourselves. You know, we're, we make it easier to. Um, give ourselves excuses versus giving somebody else an excuse. Oh, we soften everything, man. Like, oh, well, I work today, so or whatever, or you know what I mean. Oh yeah, like oh, you know, I I deserve to to do this yeah, because I did this. We're, so, or, we're always so deserving of things. <laughs> like, where does this mentality come from? Like, oh, I whatever, I I worked out this morning so I can eat garbage for. Yeah, it's not Maybelline. We were born with it, buddy. <laughs> or we were taught it or learned it or something. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, 
I, I can tell you one thing. I know something that has helped me, and this is like getting into a whole nother book, whole nother. <laughs> um, this this is something it I I have uh, I've had for a while, and I didn't really. Uh, I never. I don't. I don't know where it came up with it, but um, I don't know if you heard of Jocko Willink, but yeah, he's got the book uh, Extreme Ownership. And, um, you know, it's extreme <laughs> in the aspect of, you know, basically everything is your fault. Um, and that's not the mentality I've always had, but I did learn, um, at a young age that there was no excuse, you know, like I don't, you know, for instance, I worked at car dealerships for probably a third of my life and, you know, oh, I hit this, I bumped this car. You know, the the answer to that when you go tell your boss is, hey, I, I hit this car. It's not, oh, well, so-and-so was behind me, so I tried to, you know, go around them and accidentally skip or, you know, skim this car. And, you know, if he wasn't talking to me, it wouldn't have happened or, you know, it was nothing like that. It was just, hey, this is what happened. Sorry. Yeah. Won't do it again if if I had the choice. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I feel like that's been something I've I've carried for a long time, and um, it, it's like getting stronger more than ever now. Where it's like I don't know. There's just this weird thing in our minds where we think that people are gonna do stuff for us. Like, uh, and this is this is. You know, obviously a little bit different. But for instance, uh, looking back on my past profession where it's like, you know, oh, I, I, I got this great idea. And you bring it to the attention of somebody and they're just like, okay, well, are you going to do it? Well, that's, you know, there's a lot to it. I don't really understand that stuff. And it's like, well, the person that you're bringing that idea to is, you know, maybe more old school than you. And you're like... <laughs> They don't have an idea what to do with it. They'd have to hire somebody to to do that. And it's like, what value really are you bringing if you just come up with this idea and you can't implement it? Exactly. <laughs> Went deep on it, I know. Um, so anyway, um, let's get into this book, man. Um, so again, this is uh, Managing Oneself by Peter Drucker. I would certainly recommend it, uh, if only because of the fact that it's a very quick read. I I found this book definitely, I felt like it was talking to me. I mean, I know part of it was uh, just because a lot of stuff that Chad and I have been talking about recently um, just fit, fit right in. Um, and I, I just look through some of the notes here. One of the first notes is most people think they know what they are good at, but they are usually wrong. More often people know what they are not good at. And it goes further. Um, and that's something that we've been kind of talking about recently. <clears throat> um just trying to figure out what we are good at and, and focus on those things. And I know, um, 
not not to toot my horn, but this is just what comes to mind. We talked about my ability to talk to people, and that was kind of why I wanted to get into this podcast because I have um, more recently uh, just kind of like created relationships with people who I don't really know how to explain it. Um, prominent figures, I guess. Pe- people that um, are not necessarily easy to talk to. And um, because I was recently in car sales, I-, I find that easier to talk to people. And I, I-, I feel comfortable even um, uh, talking to somebody that may be hard- difficult to approach. I guess think of the the easy and extreme example would be you know, a, a sports figure or, um, you know, maybe a famous singer or something like that. And I've never approached, you know, Eminem or, you know, I actually had an opportunity to speak to Mark Ingram, uh, one time about seven years ago, he was in a tropical smoothie here around the corner. And, uh, I remember being there and being like, man, I think that's Mark Ingram. And this, this was right when he, uh, went to, the pros and um i actually like i did the the fan thing i googled his name yeah that's Uh-oh. yeah that's totally mark ingram right. and oh mark come get your your smoothie oh god that's definitely mark ingram and oh. i still didn't say a word to him and uh at that point i remembered just like thinking about the opportunity i missed out on and i mean you know what? Are, what are you really gonna get from it? I don't know, but it's just the type of thing where, like, why wouldn't you just say hi? Well, I mean, it kind of goes along the lines of even like you know, like being in a dating scene, blah blah blah. Sure. And like, there's some hot girl, and you want to really talk to her, but then whatever reason, checked out, and then now you're just mad, like, what the heck? I had a chance, then. You know, she left or something happened where it's too late. Yeah, you might never see that chick again. Right. And even though it wasn't that big of a deal, you like, beat yourself up. I think it's because you're you're just angry because you're being such a wuss. Yeah, probably. You know, live up to your own expectations of who you thought you were. I don't know. No, that's fair. That's fair. But it's something that seems that it, it would be so easy, right? Like, all you would have had to say is, like... Hey man, I'm a big fan, or not even that, or just just hi, you know, man, talk, just hi. Yeah, that's that's the hard simple. part. I, I think that uh, I think that many people kind of put it on a pedestal, you know, oh, for sure. like oh he's gonna he's gonna think I'm stupid or one of my friends actually met LeBron uh, in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. I mean, this is this is a while ago, and it's probably like eight years ago. But he actually, he's seen LeBron from kind of far away, and he's seen, like, the, the L and the J tattoos on the back of his, you know, really tall guy's arms. Like out of context, like at a Walmart or something? It was on, <laughs> it was on, uh, it was on the street in Chicago. Oh, right on. And he had, like, you know, like a group of people around him. And so he knew, obviously, it was him, so he just, like, went right up to him, man. And he stuck out his hand, and he was like, hey, what's up, King? <laughs> he, he, like he shook his hand, and I mean that was pretty much it. But that's, that's pretty badass, though. 
Yeah, pretty awesome that you like took advantage of that situation. Yeah, that's pretty ballsy. Yeah, for I, sure. And I, I don't know. I could keep going about this. Should we? Should we just continue on, <laughs> on this part or not? Because I could keep going. Uh, no, let's keep, we gotta talk about the book. Man. All right, let's get back to the book. Somebody's got to keep this thing on the tracks. Um, so going back to the notes here. Uh, da, 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 da. Let's see. So basically it talks about how, you know, most people are like born into their position. Um, the quick little highlight here is throughout history, people had little need to know their strengths. A person was born into a position and a line of work. The peasant's son would also be a peasant, the artisan's daughter, an artisan's wife, and so on. But now people have choices. We need to know our strengths in order to know where we belong. So I did a little more research on this topic. Nice. I, uh, what they were talking about is like based on what your last name was, mm-hmm. was part of like what your family's profession was. Um, for example, like last name, last name Smith, like you were, oh, sorry about that. Last name Smith meant that you know you were you were a Smith and wow. <laughs> yeah, like if your last name was Cooper, it meant that it meant that um, your family mostly they made um, like wooden barrels and worked on it. Okay. So uh, let's just. Let's restart that real quick because there was a little bit of interruption. So, if your last name was Smith, you did what? You were you were like a blacksmith. Okay. Or if your last name was Cooper, you typically your family made like um, wooden barrels or cast iron barrels. Mm-hmm. And then I was looking up, and they said in like the eighteen hundreds, like basically, if your last name was Smith, you had a thirty-three percent chance of being a farmer. Wow. And if your last name was Leonard, you had a 30% chance of being a farmer. Hmm. So somewhere I got kind of out of the farmer stuff? Kind of, yeah. I mean, I didn't get, out of, didn't get out of the small town, so I didn't get far from it. Well, that's what I'm wondering, man. I mean, amount, do you have like a lot of your extended family lives like in the country? Um... I mean, I don't have any family that lives in the city. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I don't either. You know, I have, um, let's see, my family pretty much lives on, I mean, on the Leonard say, side, like, it's like Lapeer is like as far south. Yeah, like my, I mean, like my grandparents' generation, like their brothers and sisters, like they were, you know, they lived in like one country, I just thought it was funny, like, because obviously, like, your grandparents still have a farm. <laughs> What's that? I said, oh, sorry, I stepped away from the mic. I said, I just thought it was funny because, like, your grandparents still have a farm. Yeah, yeah, I know, man. It's kind of crazy. Man, this mic is just being a bugger right now. Um, but, keep talking. Alright, no worries. Um, so, 
So basically, the book was kind of saying, you know, back in the day, you didn't really have to identify your strengths. You didn't have to identify your job. You just, you were pretty much born into that career. That was your strength. Right. You, you, you kind of were what you were. Yeah. Now we're, we're forced with like so many decisions as you grow up. What the heck do we do? What are we good at? I don't think I'm good at. Um, and I think we were talking about this earlier. One of the things that the book said to help identify what your strengths are, um, was the book has said, uh, whenever you make a key decision or take action, write down what you expect will happen in roughly 9 to 12 months, and then compare the actual results that happen with your expectations. Um, and I... <laughs> I just say that just, you know, maybe it helps out someone else. I think we were kind of scratching our head a little bit on what he meant about that. Um, I mean, I don't know if you, if you have any specific thoughts about, like, what they could potentially mean. Um, not a whole lot. I mean, I what I get from it is more so just to track your results and see if you're just kind of spinning your wheels and that way you have a way of kind of gauging your results against something um wondering too it's not like you know we make you know hundreds of decisions and maybe he is even referring to like uh like certain areas of your life whatever it might be, and let's say you follow through with that, that would show that you're passionate about that specific topic, mm-hmm. and you had expectations about something else, and you didn't follow through with it at all, even though at the time you thought it was important, but you didn't follow through with it, so obviously that wasn't your strength, or even not the direction you're supposed to go. It's just, you know, the only the only gripe I have about that, dude, is I feel like I feel like I've been passionate about something for that amount of time to later find out that it wasn't a strength of mine. And, or you know, in, in it, maybe it wasn't that it, was a, it wasn't a strength. Because I will say that, <coughs> excuse me, that when reading through this, uh, like I said, I felt like it was kind of talking to me. Because what I'm referring to is car sales. Um, and that's what I feel... Uh, it, I thought it was one of my strengths as far as talking to people, but I also had that issue with, um, my values not aligning with the company's values. And that's part of the notes further on, but it's just, uh, that's where I'm kind of confused on the whole analysis because my, plan, if you will, I guess, when I started car sales was to, I didn't really have a whole lot of plan, but it was basically like, you know, be myself and people like me. And eventually I'll just keep getting that residual, um, those residual customers coming back. And I, all I basically knew about that was that other people that had had been in the business, it had taken them, you know, approximately five years before they got a steady amount of people coming back to them. 
And even, I mean, I mean, towards the end of my career, cause I'm not in car sales anymore and I don't desire to go back. Um, I realized that, you know, maybe my values weren't in line with the company's values and that my passion did die out then. But I just feel like at a year, it would have been so hard to gauge that. You know, I mean, I guess, um, I guess I didn't really set a goal for myself in a year either because I didn't really think that, um, I don't know. I guess maybe I was just thinking like long term, right from the get. Like I was never really short minded about it. Like I guess a lot of people get into car sales thinking like they're just going to make heaps of money. And I'm, I did notice one thing about myself. And I don't know if it's that I'm like analytical or, or what, but I had to understand the business before I could truly feel comfortable selling a car. Like it was difficult for me to, um, even just sell a car, like right from the get. I wanted to understand what I was doing and understand the value that I brought to my customers before, like I had to know like my story before I could properly sell a car. And it's not to say I didn't sell a car before I understood myself and where I brought my value because I certainly did. But I mean, it took me a good, three or four months before I could just do it without thinking a whole lot. And it just, that's, you know, that's why this whole nine to 12 months thing kind of confused me. And I'm not saying that I went about it right because I'm sitting here telling you that I didn't really even have a nine to 12 month plan. I was more on like a five year plan, but I can tell you what, after like four years, I was like, ah, what's going on here? This is, (laughs) This is not what I was thinking. Yeah. So, what I mean, was it? What, was there like a like a certain thing or it's a group of things that made you realize that? Um, I mean, it was just yeah. I I mean, the biggest thing, and this kind of gets into more the the car business than um, I don't know than than myself. I feel like, but it uh. Yeah, I was just, I was amazed at how little, I don't know, I guess the easy way of saying it is there's no love in the car business. Um, I felt like. Like from, who, like the customers? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Like I felt like, um, and this is not referring to you because you were an awesome customer of mine. And it was, you were, I had the most fun doing business with you because we were already comfortable. And I did have, um, and I had, I had many customers like that, but they were not the majority, you know, it was about 10 to 15% of my customers, um, residual customers that I basically knew that I would, you know, if, if they were going to be in the market for a vehicle that I would most likely be selling them a vehicle. Yeah. There was about another 15% 15% or so that I knew that I would at least get a shot at, meaning that they would at least, there would at least be communication with me before they bought their next vehicle. You know, they might be shopping at other dealers or whatever, but I knew that they would at least 
contact me and give me an opportunity. So, I mean, that's, that's nice. Um, but those are the ones that kind of hurt too, because, um, I also realized that in sales, you really have to, you have to kind of continue to deliver. You know, you can't just sell a person a car once and, um, you know, say you go above and beyond that time, uh, you know, and just something little, um, the second time, most in most cases, you still had to go that above and beyond. And it's not to say that um, I didn't want to, you know, just limited in a lot of aspects. Um, but it was just, it was tough in that, you know, it wasn't like, oh yeah, hey, Aaron's a good guy. I'm just going to buy a car from him. It was like, you just, you started over with a lot of people. And... Yeah. And that um, that was just really frustrating, you know, because I, I really pride myself on authenticity more than anything. And uh, that's why that job was tough for me, you know, because I feel like, and, and you know, maybe that's me taking things personally when I shouldn't, but uh, I really feel like, you know, your authenticity is really questioned in that business, you know? Oh, for sure. And I, and I get that part of it. But. Even as, even as like, a, I don't know why I think like, you know, we bought, I mean, like three cars, mm-hmm. um, but, but I don't know why, even like the very first time I was, I don't know, like in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, is there, is there a better deal out there? Mm-hmm. You know? And I don't know why those thoughts even like crossed my mind. I, th- I think it's just the business, man. I don't, I mean... It's weird because part of it is the advertising. You know, the advertising is just a bitch in that business, man. Because it's like you are constantly just bombarded. Like, if you watch TV for more than a half an hour, you will see multiple car ads. And you really, unless you're looking at like a BMW or a Mercedes ad, you're not going to see anything really even over like $2.49 a month. So it's, so it's just like, I, I always, it was funny because I, I started in that business as a porter and kind of just did the whole, ran the gamut and, uh, the porters, um, where I would work, they would just kind of joke that, you know, because they'd be busting their ass all day and we'd just be sitting at a desk and they're like, oh man, selling cars is so easy and yada, yada, yada. And, um. What I would always say to them is, hey, have you seen those ads on, on TV? Like, what ad? Oh, for the buck ninety nine a month truck or whatever. And, yeah. and uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. And I'd say, well, your job is to explain to the customer why they're going to get that truck for $400 a month. <laughs> <laughs> and actually sell them the vehicle. Right. And, and in turn, you're also going to be battling um, other salespeople who may not have as much integrity, who will wait to fight that fight until that person's in the dealership. So, you know, they may say, you know, you could call a dealership and say, I'm looking for that 199 a month uh, F-150. And they say, oh, yeah, we got that one. Come on in. And uh, then they call somebody, you know, maybe they called me. 
And I'd say, oh, you know, that's kind of how ads are. They always say $199 a month, but if you look at the asterisks at the bottom, it says plus taxes, title, and fees, and then you have to have about $24.99 down. And um, right. and then... Well, well, like the mileage, it always seems like it's different, too. I mean, if you oh, yeah. The asterisks, I mean, you're talking like 10,000 miles, which... I mean, yep. The minim- the min- it's the minimum everything is what it is. And there's, it's, it's all in the story you tell, you know, but I just didn't, I didn't like fighting that fight, man. I didn't like being the guy that was going to say, oh yeah, we got that. And then when they sit down in front of you, you go, yeah, well you can get it for a buck 99 a month, but you still got to pay taxes. You know, we got to pay taxes on everything. And well, you got to have 2499 down. Do you have 20? Oh, you don't have 2499 down. Okay. Well, you know, and and that's kind of the way that... Well, and I think what sucks is that, yeah, I mean, like you are saying, it doesn't align with being authentic, number one. But number two, whether you sold them that car or not, it's not really going to change how happy you are. Right. I know it's not very simplistic, but that's not... You know what I mean? Like, you didn't necessarily change this person's life. If anything, maybe you created more stress because now they have a bigger car payment or something. Mm-hmm. No, you don't really feel good about it other than, oh, man, you just sold another vehicle, and now my boss is going to be happy. Right. Like, the only – and don't get me wrong. Selling vehicles can be fun. It is a, it is a odd – excuse me. It is an oddly enjoyable profession. Um, You know, maybe it's because you're making money from sitting at a desk. I, I don't know what it is because I've never had that feeling um, yeah. like that other than playing poker. You know, like when you win, you know, five grand in a night from sitting on your fucking couch and it's, it's a great feeling, man. Um, and I never made five grand on a vehicle, nor did I make five grand in a day. Um, you know, made it in a month a couple of times, but that's a different story. Um, but yeah, the only way that I could find to bring value to my customers was to learn more about my products to um just not dodge questions you know a lot of people um you know say they'd be like oh um you know can i get a can i get a blue one oh you can get a blue one but we got this black one right here you know like i I would be the person that'd say yeah we can get you a blue one um you know my line was always you know we can get you a blue one but my boss will probably give you a little bit better deal on, on this one since it's on our lot because it would cost us money to get one um, right. from a different store. You know, just the the cost to um, transportation and stuff like that. Yeah, but sure. but that was the only way I was able to big, bring value was just again by just being authentic in those ways, and um, it's just underappreciated, you know. Um. And then also it just comes to a time and it's, it, I, I say it's underappreciated. Like it's the customer's fault. It's not the customer's fault. It just kind of is what it is. But, um, and it also would come down to a time where, you know, you get some people that were like really cool with you and then you get down to like negotiating and, and that was kind of like, I guess in, the bad thing about car, the car business is like, you have to give a lot of bad news and, um, the one positive from that though, is that like, after you give them good or give them bad news, like you do have an opportunity to give them good news sometimes, but I don't know. 
it's not often and it's just not the good guy very often i guess not not the business for a good guy live and learn my friend um all right so we we got off our rocker here let's um let's look at this next note here i'm just going to um let's back into feedback analysis um okay Let's go with this. First and foremost, concentrate on your strengths. Put yourself where your strengths can produce results. Second, work on improving your strengths. I felt like that was the same thing. Concentrate on your strengths and then work on improving your strengths. Concentrate concentrate on your strengths. Put yourself where your strengths can produce results. Second, work on improving your strengths. Okay. Kind of seems redundant, but analysis will rapidly show where you need to improve skills or acquire new ones. It will also show the gaps in your knowledge, and those can usually be filled. Mathematicians are born, but everyone can learn trigonometry. Um, thoughts on that? Uh, see, that's what I'm confused about. Yeah, we got a lot. We got we got a lot of notes to go through here. Kind of contradicts himself because he's saying to concentrate on your strengths, but then he's saying identify your weaknesses so you can become better at them. So it's like, uh, which one is it? Well, I mean, I think I think he he's saying that. Um, I, I, I what I get from that is that your your strengths. Your weaknesses are never going to be as strong as your as you already are at your strengths. So, to focus more on your strengths because you're going to be better in the long run at them either way. Yeah, one thing I remember he's talking about he an example. Uh, he was talking about like uh, someone who had like a really strong like engineering background. Is you know more inclined to be good at mathematics, good with numbers. In the meantime, they might put off uh, relationships and kind of just kind of give up on that whole subject of like, oh, those those people are disorderly, and I'm never really gonna understand people. And then, um, in the next sense, he was saying, and then uh, someone who is a human resources professional. Would have a completely opposite approach where they would look at relationships as being the most important thing, putting people first, and putting mundane tasks like accounting, for example, or even just like basic math, like, oh, that's a waste of my time. Basically, talking about how, you know, we have to be careful if we do have certain strengths to not overlook those weaknesses. Um, if we truly want to become better, like more well-rounded people. Yeah, that, I think that's well said there. That, that um, that's a good example too. Um, hmm. And what else? I wrote a couple more notes in here. Yeah, I don't know. I can't see myself being an engineer. That's for sure. But it, it's <laughs> no. it's weird though because, um. 
I have been good with numbers. I wouldn't say that I'm good with, I mean, I guess that doesn't necessarily make an engineer either. Um, hmm. I don't know, man. I just, uh, I, I guess I need to look, think about it a little bit more as far as me, myself, because um, I definitely like people, um, but I also understand the aspect of the numbers, like, as far as, like, a business, it all depends on the numbers. You know, if the numbers don't make sense, it doesn't make, it doesn't really matter if you're making friends, I guess. Um, hmm. I need to ponder that a little bit more, I think. Those, uh, there's a story that Ty talked about. He's talking about how, you know, like Bill Gates, all of his strength was built around, um, like his work ethic. And he knew from a really early age that he really wanted to produce software. And it was talking about from age 20 to age 30, he never took off a single day. Like that was everything he did was somehow involved with, you know, making a better product. And, um, I don't know, I think it's, I think, like, finding your strength is, to me, I mean, to me it sounds like it's just about being focused on something that kind of keeps you going, like, you know, whether it's, like, a passion, or a job, or even a hobby. I don't know. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, I don't think we have to know necessarily, but conflicting things. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's gotten getting us thinking, so that's yeah. that's a positive. Yeah, for sure. Um, if analysis if if analysis shows that someone's brilliant work fails again and again as soon as cooperation from others is required. It probably indicates a lack of courtesy that is a lack of manners. So basically saying that if you can't, if every time you work with somebody, um, the job goes downhill, that you need to work on your people skills. That's what I gather from that. Yeah, I think so. Okay, here's, here's what we were talking about just a moment ago. So, um... Check. Gotcha. Um, one should waste as little effort as possible on improving areas of low competence. It takes far more energy and work to improve more incompetence to mediocrity than it does to improve from first-rate performance to excellence. So basically, uh, you're going to work a lot harder on your weaknesses to improve to mediocre than to take your good-to-great skills to excellence. Um, first thing is to know is whether you are a reader, reader or listener, far too fair, far too people, far too few people even know that there are readers and listeners and that people are rarely both even fewer know which of the two they themselves are, but some examples will show how damaging such ignorance can be. So we kind of talked about this. If you're, um, basically you need to identify if you're a reader or a listener. 
if you're a reader, you need to focus more on reading, of course, versus learning from uh, videos or from or trying to communicate with somebody through conversation. Um, you need to focus on writing those things down to try and analyze them better. Um, I think that's probably probably pretty good for our episode four. I'm sure that we will probably be getting together again, maybe even in the next 48 hours, to discuss some other further points. Um, but let's go with... Um, I want to go quickly to our tip of the day. And the tip of the day is going to be make an extreme deadline for yourself. That's my tip of the day. And um, you don't necessarily have to succeed, but you have to try. You have to try to succeed. I think I will add in, I think... um, Please. Maybe even, not even... I think you should succeed. I think the problem is that you're trying something that's too big. Mm-hmm. Start small. Like we were talking about, whatever, we had a goal. A small book, 24 hours, something small. We accomplished it. Made us feel good about it. Kind of got some momentum going. So I think, you know, don't make a huge goal. Mm-hmm. Small, like whatever, tomorrow morning I'm going to no tomorrow. Start start small. Do it now. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna work out tomorrow morning. I'm gonna wake up or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh. Take action. Makes sense. Take action. Exactly. All right, we are we're gonna shut this bugger down. Um, I hope that everybody enjoyed our little back and forth regarding this book again. That was book by Peter Drucker that is escaping me I know come on app managing one self the key to success by Peter F Drucker thank you Ty Lopez for bringing that book to our intention you're both of our boys now much love and thank you Chad for joining us and of course thank you audience for joining us and please feel free to give feedback um definitely enjoy feedback want to know what you like what you love what you hate so we can make this better for you so this is a aaron and chad (laughs) chad smith signing off for this evening um go take action have a great night guys bye-bye